Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome in to another episode of Out of Line. Um, obviously, a lot going on in college basketball. Um, I will address my horrible bet I made at the end of the show last week when I said, you know, take Alabama over San Diego State. That was really stupid. Um, so basically, last week, my entire Final Four was eliminated within a span of about 72 hours. Um it was looking good before. I felt like my bracket was actually looking good. In my defense, nobody picked this particular – nobody would have picked this Final Four. Um, and, um, so I'm going to get into some – obviously, I'm going to talk about some of my bets at the end of the show uh, – later, toward, more towards the end of the show. But for, for – I mean, for the upcoming uh, – for the Final Four. Uh, but also, obviously, my sports teams, uh, the Knicks and the Mets – the uh, I want to talk about Julius Randle's injury. Um, you know, he's out for the rest of the regular season and he'll be reevaluated in two weeks. So that means he's out for at least the rest of the regular season. Uh, we'll get into some of that. Um, the uh, I, I'm going to talk a little bit about the uh, Verlander injury. Obviously, um, like Texas blowing it against Miami, Texas should have won that game. Um, and uh, a little bit more, a little bit about the Lamar Jackson stuff. You know, he can't find a contract. He can't find it. He can't reach an agreement. Um, so we're going to talk about all, and you know, a little bit of the Jets, Aaron Rodgers stuff. Though that topic is oddly becoming a little bit less, less relevant as time goes on. Just a few weeks ago, we thought there was something imminent. Now it feels like we're going to have to wait to the draft for anything to actually happen. So, um. Uh, and by the way, I'm bringing my dad on again. I'm not going to do another so I'm not doing a solo show, so um, I'll have some conversation. All right, so let's get into the show. Where are we at in society today? Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. So I do want to first address the first thing that happened last week. Um, Nick, what's up, my friend? How are you tonight? Well, you'll find out. Just watch the next, you know, 45 minutes or so, and you'll find out how I'm doing. <laughs> um, uh, as a sports fan, not too good, uh, for the most part, at least. Um, so uh, obviously, first and foremost, I do want to talk about Bama and Texas. I know it feels like I'm talking about college football when I mentioned Bama and Texas. Um, but first, I last week said that you, 
uh, to take Bama at halftime. I actually I didn't just say it. I made the bet. So at least when I'm wrong, I'm I'm wrong for myself and not just for others. Um, so uh, so with, with all of that, I'm bringing my my dad on again. I don't know if he knows about this. Hello, Dad. Go ahead. Hi, right, Nick. What do all I right. know? So last week at the end of the show, here's what happened. I said it was halftime with Alabama and San Diego State. I know it now feels like ancient history, uh, but it was only a week ago. Um, I said take Alabama minus I don't know three or what whatever it was it doesn't matter. Uh, it, it was Alabama minus uh, something, just a couple of points. And I bet it. I actually not only did I bet it, I bet a lot of money on it. Um, and obviously, I looked really dumb. Uh, last week was horrible. I lost my entire final four in three days. Well, it was a week, a weekend of upsets and uh, unprecedented that no team at the top, no three seed or better made the final four. I, that's the first time that's ever happened since they expanded the tournament. Uh, yeah. But yeah. upsets. And this is what college basketball is, you know, now, you know, football we have the major conferences and you have to step down to the to the lower conferences yeah in college basketball you can have in any given day one game you have as we've seen you know fdu beat purdue um, and and that's just one example of all the other upsets so here we are got two teams florida atlantic and san diego state guaranteed one of them again. um it just goes to show you in, in college basketball, you need a couple of good players uh, and some role players, and you know you have a good day and you can win. So uh, that's what makes the tournament so exciting because anything can happen. Obviously, that that's what people talk about all the time, uh, and people always, you know, when, people say they root for underdogs. I don't re- exact. I root. I, the thing is, you root for underdogs until like it's going to kill your bracket, and then you're like, and they're playing your champion. Right, I, I agree, and I think, but in the past, the upsets, you always get the one upset, two upsets early in the tournament, and then it kind of, you know, it goes to chalk, and the top right, team right. rise to the top, and especially in the final four, usually you have four pretty solid teams, maybe once in a while you get you get an underdog, but this year has been very different, where I don't know whoever got the final four, <laughs> final four, it's like hitting the, the multi-billion dollar lottery, because I don't know anyone. Who would have – I mean, first of all, forget picking this particular Final Four, but also picking any one of those four teams, especially Florida Atlantic and – especially um, especially Florida Atlantic and San Diego State. The only, te- the only people picking either of those two teams would be like diehard fans of those teams who probably didn't actually expect it to happen. <laughs> like – It was a sentimental pick. And um, I told you I was dead wrong I, when, when Florida Atlantic beat FDU and then they played Tennessee the next game. And I was saying, I, and I did also, I, I lost. I, had to, I liked Tennessee. I thought it was a great pick. Tennessee is a good team. I thought Florida Atlantic, you know, uh, had their big win. And then, like every other year, it seems that the chalk eventually catches up. And it didn't this year. It just kept going and going. Well, obviously, I think you forgot about regular season, Rick. <laughs> regular season rick that's his oh. nickname that's rick barnes's nickname long time 
So, you know, sometimes we forget about how some of these teams just have a tendency to completely blow it. But not only was it like, I mean, usually there's a few upsets, but they're usually not historic upsets like they were this year. And usually when teams win a game, they just go back down to earth the next week. That's usually what happens. That's exactly what happened with, uh, with FDU this year, basically. Um, but you know what? I really want to see because this year is so different. Um, just in, like just in terms of who's in the final four, I want to see what the ratings will be this year versus last year. Uh, I, I, that's a good question. I, I don't know if any of these two teams are real uh, sentimental favorites from other than if you, you would go to the school you were at. A... I... Well, I, I think I, I would I would challenge anybody to knew to know that they had a basketball team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> San Diego State, another team that just, you know, no one even knew they had a team. Um, the coach is very interesting. You know, uh, Brian, uh, Brian Doucher, um, he, he's been an assistant coach for a long time. He, he was an assistant coach on Fab Five team. And, in fact, if you watch the five, Fab Five special on ESPN, he's interviewed a lot. You know, a little slightly younger than he does now. But he was an assistant for many years from different schools, assistant at um, – at Michigan, uh, he was assistant at San Diego State for many years before he became head coach. So he deserves, you know, he's been in the game a long time. And, you know, uh, he deserves to have this uh, notoriety, um, especially if he can win. Yeah, yeah. He, um, yeah, that, that's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting to see. But, like, like, with the whole, the thing is, I think that people, like, root for the underdogs a lot. But then, like, if it's, like, an entire, like, final, like, underdog Final Four, I think what people just don't watch. It's sort of like, I'm rooting for the underdog, but I'm not going to watch the underdogs. That's sort of, and I don't even think that's inherently contradictory. I just find it kind of funny how people want the underdog to win. But people would prefer to watch a Blue Blood Final Four. You're an underdog if you're playing a team that's a lot, right? Here, yeah. teams, especially the first game, Florida – there, it's like, you know, an NIT game for all we know, right? It could I mean, be. If this were an NIT game, nobody would watch. Right. And, and and the truth is, even if if even this one going to make the finals out of these two is a big underdog, it's not that big of a deal. They're playing Miami, Connecticut, who are middle of the road seeds, you know. So it's not like they're playing, you know, Alabama or another one number one ranked team where people can root for them against them. So right, right. You, you, so many upsets and so many you, you miss a lot of the drama that I think right. people I mean this year I've said in the past that I thought Alabama and Texas look I mean so I'm sorry I thought Alabama was like the one seed of the one seeds and actually in hindsight I technically probably wasn't wrong because all the other one seeds also lost um but I did I don't know if you saw the end of that game last week it was pathetic Alabama kept shooting through. They couldn't shoot towards the end of the game. And I knew at that point, once you can't make shots, once you're like panicking and trying to make shots that you can't make, at that point, I'm like, okay, it's over. There's no way they're coming back. You know, I have one theory of why there's so many upsets. And you, it's a classic was the Purdue game. It seems that teams get to be three-point happy. Everything, every shot they take is a three-pointer. And – Three-pointers, you could be very streaky with three-pointers. You could be very hot, and then you end up blowing out the team. Well, if you go cold, 
um, you can you can you can lose to a lot of bad teams because you can't make your shots. And Purdue just played a terrible game that game against FDU. They could have gotten it more inside, but they kept trying to shoot three pointers. And that happened to Alabama too. They took too many three pointers. They you want to hear something crazy? Okay, I have the stats in front of me. Alabama shot eleven percent from three against San Diego State. They went three for twenty-seven. Yeah, that's crazy. And and Brandon Miller only had nine points and went three for nineteen yeah. from the field. I Alex. mean, it, like, how many teams can you beat when your star player has those type of numbers? Well, that's the whole thing. Again, with with the tournament, is you know your your star player is not going to play great every game. They may be a game where he's off. And then the other people have to pick them up. The other players have to pick them up. And if you're not hitting your outside shots, you're going to lose. I don't care who you are. The team, other teams are the, 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 the spread between the top teams and the middle of the road teams aren't as great as it. So you're not up to your game. And we might, this might be the norm now going forward where the, you know, unless they uh, kind of change the way they play um, three pointers and shooting threes. If you're hot, great if you're not you're gonna lose but the problem is most of the time they're not yeah i mean i mean the thing is it's one thing when you when a lot of nba teams shoot a bunch of threes and even they don't aren't really that three-point happy like i mean it's very rare that you see nba teams just chucking up threes but in college basketball the vast majority of the time they're just they're not hitting them yeah they're they're almost never hitting them and it's not only they're not hitting them it's like Guys who aren't good three-point shooters are shooting them. Uh, and I would argue that's a good big part of the reason Miami was able to beat Texas. Um, and, and I would say that, like, sometimes when the, when, the, uh, when the favorite loses, most of the time, not even sometimes, most of the time with these big upsets, it's the better team losing more than it is the underdog winning. It tends to be like that most of the time. Even okay. though the story is about the underdog, it's really more about the favorite than it is about the underdog. Yeah. In this case, with Miami against Texas, neither team really played all that bad. But the biggest reason I think Miami was able to win is that they didn't shoot too many threes. It yeah. seems like teams that aren't shooting threes are able to win. In the NBA, it's the opposite. If you don't shoot a lot of threes, you're not going to beat good teams. That's the weird thing about college basketball. They're, when, they, when they're not shooting threes, they're able to win. I think part of it is also, I think teams panic when they get behind. Um, right. And half. If a team is down six, seven, eight points, they feel they got to shoot threes to get back in it, even though there could be as many as seven, eight, nine minutes left in the game. And they start panicking and taking shots that they shouldn't be taking instead of settling and looking for a better two-pointer. Yeah. And, and just you get the momentum. You know, every shot you miss gives momentum to the other team. And the next thing you know, that lead that lead goes from six or seven to twelve or thirteen in a hurry. Now you're really in trouble. And I think yeah, Miami only shot. And by the way, they shot three threes terribly. They went two for eight, but they only shot eight three. They only shot eight threes the whole game. Texas went ten for twenty five. I mean, percentage wise, that's much better. But they shot way too many threes. And. It, it, again, I think teams they get behind a little bit, they get they panic, and they start shooting threes. And it's not the underdogs that panic as much; it's the favorites that panic. Yeah, God, we're going to lose, you know that type of thing. And they're taking shots that probably shouldn't be taking. And- Although the truth is, 
Fairly Dickinson against Purdue was also taking a bunch of shots they shouldn't they shouldn't have been taking, and they also weren't hitting. They they did get enough to have them go in, and and they, I remember one shot near the end of the game, the guy uh, they hit a big three. That was probably the difference in the game. I forget the guy that hit it. It was from on uh, after you know, straight away long three. But look, that's the whole thing. If you if if you if you're gonna make it a three point shooting contest, then a lot of the difference between the talent of the teams kind of goes away, right? Everybody, yeah. a couple of shots, that's the difference between winning and losing. And it's like flipping a coin. Would you rather well, get a game? I also think that there's a disparity between the branding difference between teams and the actual talent difference. I think that there's not that much talent difference between, like, one, between these blue blood programs and the underdogs, which is why, obviously – all of this, all of these upsets can happen. It's not like in football where it's like the difference between Alabama and other and like, I don't know, some middle of the road SEC team is often really, really big. But the difference in college basketball is obviously a lot different. And and also like star players, it's not like in the NBA where they put up like 25, 30 points a game. Star players, like the best players on college basketball teams put up like 15 points a game. And they're not even consistent with it either. So, I mean, how good are any of the players in college basketball compared to, I, I mean, like, I mean, how much better are the star players in college basketball? It's just so different in, in that sense. Um, but towards, I mean, Miami did get into some foul trouble against Texas. Um, I don't know if you saw towards the end of the game, um, Omer, Norchad Omer, um, one of Miami's star big men, he, he almost, they initially called an over the back on him. And I think that would have, possibly made Texas might have won because he would have fouled out but right. then they called the foul on the guy on Texas right. Right. I mean clearly it was the right call to call it on Texas like Miami didn't I, I mean the the foul was clearly not on him but towards the end of that game Texas totally blew it but I would say the difference the real difference between Miami and Texas that game was the foul shots yeah it was the foul I mean Miami just killed him on the foul line they were able to get to the line more and they were able to and they were able to make more foul shots. Both of those teams didn't shoot too badly. Yeah, it, 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 it's the foul shot. Look, and that and making foul shots—that's a part of getting nervous and missing. And uh, you know, and look, the, there's always more pressure on the favorite. And when you're a favorite, you've got to go out and try and take and take the game in your hand in the first half. So you, you don't have that feel. Um, but it seems to me that whenever this game gets close, and if a favorite falls behind like i said before they seem to panic and take take bad shots but the thing with miami is that they have no depth want to hear something they only scored five points off the bench Mm. against Mm. texas texas has some depth they have a lot more depth but with miami all their stars played well um but but they don't have a lot of depth jordan miller he scored he had a i mean a perfect game is not a thing in basketball but he he went seven for seven, for twenty seven points, and made and went um, thirteen for thirteen from the foul line. So he, he didn't miss. Yeah, yeah. Again. But want to hear something interesting? He didn't shoot any threes, so he was able to put up twenty seven points without shooting threes. Like I said, I think some teams get addicted to the threes, and they'd rather take a tough three than an easy two. Yeah. If you do the math, if you take three trips down, just and you get two and you hit two out of the two out of the three two pointers, of course they're easy, 
and you make one three pointer, you're behind the game. You're better off with the instead of the three. And I think that and over the course of the game, it's a lot of points you're giving up. So, um, and and again, the, the the because maybe in a regular season it doesn't matter as much because you're not it's not so much riding on every possession, but when you when you're talking about the tournament and it's live or die, and uh, especially when you talk about a favorite versus an underdog, that's a close game. It's a lot of pressure on that favorite to make that three pointer. All it takes is a little flick here or there, and you and you, and you know you'll miss the shot. So uh, I think that's what's why the difference uh, this year we're seeing more than anything else on, on these underdogs. And look, 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 who knows? We could happen year after year, where you know. I mean, uh, I don't think it will. That's a, that seems unlikely that this would consistently happen. Yeah, but I think I, I, I guess if there's a way where two hurt a four, I think this is it. <laughs> I think you know who would think a Florida Atlantic San Diego State. Now Miami and Connecticut are big are schools from big conferences, and you know maybe if they were the, the two weaker teams in the Final Four, um, that would be believable. I, I think I, it'd be interesting to see how these ratings come, but I, I would bet that uh, the ratings would be lower. That's oh, the, the ratings are going to be way down. Like I said, the public, when it comes to underdogs, they root for the underdogs, but don't. But then don't watch them. Yeah, you know, if they're playing, <laughs> that's the thing. It, like the public loves to see the uh, loves to root for them and see them beat the team that they're not supposed to beat. But if you have an underdog versus underdog matchup. Cares. People aren't going to watch. Right. <laughs> Florida Atlantic was playing San Diego State in February in, in a, you know, at a conference game. <laughs> who, who would watch that game? If it's not it, the fans. Degenerate gamblers probably watched it. Fans of those two teams. So, so yeah. So, it'd be interesting to see how, how, how low they are. But uh, um, we'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, I, I've got feelings on both these games. Um, but I've been wrong so much that I don't know how much, how much more, uh, how much more wrong I could get. But, um, well, I changed my mind about Miami. I, I did. I mean, I did predict last week that they would cover the spread against Houston. I didn't think they would win outright though. I mean, a, an eight point spread is like, well, really, really big. I felt like it was a little bit of a trap game that I, it sound, it seemed a little bit like they were begging you to take Miami. We talked about that game. If you remember and I like Miami a lot and. Uh, that was a one. I think one game I got right all all tournament. I liked the way, and I think their first matchup. And I forget who it was. They were the favorite. I think they were playing a twelve or eleven seed, whatever it was. They were losing by like seven points pretty late in the second half, and they came back and won that game. So I said, "Wow, you know." I think the fact that they looked in the abyss and they were that far close away from losing, and they came back and won. I liked them coming back and winning the next game, and they did, and because. Uh, you know, now you're playing with house money. When you when you looks like you were going to lose and you end up coming back and winning, and maybe that propelled them to getting all the way to the final four that first game that they looked like they were going to lose. So, um, and you know, as far as Connecticut goes, if you have a team that has played the best out of all four, you have to say it's Connecticut. They 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 beat their opponents pretty handily. Killed Gonzaga. Think did they have any any close games near the end there, other than the Gonzaga game? Or but that game wasn't close. No, no, no. Besides, I know Gonzaga they blew out, but any other close games? Um, I don't. I remember. I thought there was so. 
Um, in, in the tournament, no. Right. So you'd have they to, killed everybody. You'd have to say that they're the most impressive team so far. Um, now again, they didn't play the number one seed at all. Gonzaga was a two, but they were a three. Yeah, a three. So, uh, but out of the four, they're probably the the team. And unfortunately, the second best team is playing them uh, in, in the semifinals. Well, I mean, it's hard to to be fair though. It's still hard to beat to beat them consistently. I mean, it, to to win by a lot consistently. And they and they beat some pretty highly seeded teams. I mean, they beat Arkansas and St. Mary's. I mean, most teams would like. I bet Alabama would have had, or even like all the one seeds would have had at least one bad game. I mean, they played a tougher schedule than the one seeds did, and they won all of them by a lot. And so that's still impressive. Sometimes throughout the tournament, you need one game where you escape, uh, like Miami did that first game. Uh, it is true that, you know, you have to win, so you're ready the next time. And if it's a close game tonight with Miami, who knows? Maybe Connecticut, who has been winning easy, will now struggle when it's a close game. So Yeah. Um, so I want to talk about this. Julius Randle is out for the regular season. Um, he had a bad ankle injury. Uh, and he is so basically he's out for the rest of the regular season and he'll be reevaluated in two weeks. Um, I do believe that he's probably I don't think he's going to be fully healed for the playoffs. Doesn't mean he can't play. I think he'll be able to play because um, he's not a guard. So he can he might be able to get away with not being fully healed and still playing. Um, I think I mean. The thing is, the the Knicks are the five seed right now. If they're not going to get home court advantage for, they're not going to be able to get home court against the Cavs. The Cavs right now look like a better team. Um, with Randall's injury, I would put a bet down right now and say there's no way the Knicks make it past the first round. There's no way. Yeah, and uh, it gives them cover if they ended up losing. It gives them cover if they do lose. They say, hey, Randall wasn't 100%. Um, and you're right that he's not a guard, but he does move a lot. He makes a He does. Lot. He does. You're right. He does I, jump a lot. Middle or just three point shooter. He, you know, he, he uses legs and feet. So I, if he does play, he's, no way, he, he's not going to be as effective, obviously, as he's normally going to be. So, and that's a big, that's a big loss. So, um, but you know what? If it, is, it does come down to it where they don't advance, uh, they did have a very good season. Um, and I, I, the trades they made were good. And they look to be a five seed in the East and rising, you know, and maybe next year could be better. So, uh, but you know what? Let's see what happens in the playoffs because playoffs are just like tournament and NCAAs. You know, you, you never know who gets hot. Well, it's, it's not like that because they play best of seven games. Yes. <laughs> it's still that. It's still a series, and you you can you if you get hot, win a couple of close games, you can win. Right, right. No, you're right about that. But I'm just saying. I mean, look. I hope I'm wrong. I'm just saying they're, they're not going. Like they're not going to make it past the first round. Like I don't see it happening. Although you're right, to some degree they they have cover, and I'm it, and it's like it's still certainly better than it was two years ago when they weren't competitive against the Hawks when they were supposed to be the better, when they were supposed to be much better. So, I mean, not much better than the Hawks, but much better than they played. So, I mean, it would still be better. And last year, they didn't make the playoffs. It's better to make the playoffs and lose than to not make it. But, like I said, I just don't see – I don't see it happening. I would have liked to have seen them at full strength. I think they definitely could have 
might have had a chance to beat Cleveland. Yeah, because they're a good road team. Yeah, and uh, and just see them go against the number one team, you know, and see how how they are, you know, because you always get seem to, you know, you get better when you play the better competition. So, and the next year you you, you use that going forward. But yeah, it's still a good team. Being fifth in the East is pretty good. Uh, and then you just, you just see what happens. That's all. Yeah. Yeah, and and I'm pro Thibodeau now. I'm back to being pro Thibodeau. Um, There's not I, out there. He's a good coach. Yeah, he's yes, he he's probably the best Knicks head coach of my lifetime. <laughs> yeah. I'm not joking either. He probably is. Well, Pat Riley was was good. Yubi Brown was good. And they, they were way they were way before my time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, like within my memory, um. So Justin Verlander is hurt. Um, I'm going to talk about this a little. Uh, he has an injury on his terrace major, which is kind of on the back. Uh, I don't know how long he's going to be out. It's not the end of the world. It's only April. Uh, but this is like the most Mets thing that before the season even start, before the first pitch was even thrown, we find that it, it, Verlander's on the IL. Yeah. Well, look, this is to be expected with older players. And you know you, you, he's forty. Verlander, uh, I'm sure Scherzer at some point this year is going to go on the on the IL also. You know, uh, and then of course the Diaz. So uh, it's a long season. It's a very long season. A lot happens, um, and you never know who rises to the occasion. Uh, so we'll see. They have look. They have a very good team, and. Uh, Schedule where you're not playing opponents as much, so need a lot more than they used to, because now there's not as many of them. You're playing everyone in the entire Major League Baseball, right? You're playing uh, all the American League teams, and you're playing obviously the other national teams more, and you're not playing the division teams as much. So I like that. I like that because it was kind of kind of boring playing the same teams all the time. How many times are you going to see the Mets play the Nationals or the Marlins? It's yeah. So. Um, but now these inter interleague games mean more because there's fewer fewer of them. Well, I, I actually bet the Mets minus one and a half runs, and now they're losing one nothing at the top in the top of the fourth. <laughs> yeah, well, it's all right. It, I don't, it's yeah, and Marlins aren't that bad. The Marlins are a good team. So yeah, they're not. They used to be really bad, but they're not that bad now. Now the Nationals are the league team. So, um, but it's. Long, long, long season. Look, look what you know happened last year. They were so, they looked so good, and then they fell apart the last couple of weeks uh, at the finish, and then it carried over into the playoffs, and it was you know, disappointing at the end. So you never know. You never know um, because you're in it, and maybe at, half, at halfway through the season, you need a player or two, and you make a trade, and you, know, you can't. However, the only thing is you don't want to get off to a terrible start. If you get to a fire up to a fire and start fine, but if you start, you know, after twenty games, you know, six and fourteen or something like that, or it, which always could happen to anybody, um, you don't want to get into that because then you start pressing, uh, and then it could last the entire season. Well, but the thing is, you also have to think about it this way. I mean, like, you also have to be good at the right time. Last year, the Mets were the overall they had a very good season, but towards in September they were an average team. That's what they look like. And, and, and then they, they also um, really, when they really needed to win, they couldn't do it. Not only 
Braves, but also in the playoffs. So that was, you know, now now that hopefully they'll get over that and they can start winning those tough games. Uh, but yeah, it was very disappointing last year. Yeah. So I do want to talk a little bit about Lamar Jackson. He is still not able to reach any type of agreement. Um, I mean, there's a few things with this, obviously, that I think are very obvious. Um, one is that he's hurt too much. He, he misses a lot of games uh, and he's asking for too much money. And the biggest reason he doesn't have an agent. So he doesn't have a professional negotiator on his side. Yeah, I, look, I think that's you know all good points. I think the injury thing is is something too. Have to you know, and also um, I, I think they last year toward that toward the end of the season, I think a lot of people questioned his desire and his toughness to play. You know, where he, he kept you know the fact that he kept he missed a lot of games toward the end um, and. You know, they, I think people question, you know, his his heart. So uh, you, you take that into the account that he wants a lot of money, that you got to deal with him directly. And also, here's the other thing. Who, you know, what team is the match for, for, uh, for Lamar Jackson? You know, the Jets look like they're going to have Rodgers. Um, who, the Patriots? You know, who's the team out there that's going to pay all that money who can pay him all that money you know i don't know i don't know where the match is well i, I will say you know who could have done it was probably seattle mm -hmm. seattle i mean he would have fit in with the system good one team i mean they wasted money on geno smith it's safe to say that like geno smith had a good year by geno smith's standards and what happened okay they made the playoffs barely and they got killed in the first round it's like that's your great year with Geno Smith. And you're and, and like that's a good year. <laughs> like what are like to me, I thought it was crazy that they were willing to spend that much money on him when it's like, I mean, Seattle's really good with more mobile quarterbacks, but I mean, they could also have signed tried to get like Lamar Jackson and yeah. they would be much better off. I think I think that 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 maybe is the team for him if they have the cash and they have the I mean, they're all in on Geno for now. Which I think is dumb. I don't think that's smart on their part. He's not a long-term solution. What What was the the amount of years they gave him? Gino, like three, but there's a potential out. Okay. I mean, I do believe that. Like, I'm not. I do believe Lamar Jackson maybe could have played against uh, against the Bengals. Yeah. Yeah. I think he may. He probably could have. I mean, I, I don't know for sure. But I find it a little hard to believe that he just couldn't. And when quarterbacks and when star quarterbacks don't try to play when they're a little bit hurt, it does rub people the wrong way. Even when you're a running quarterback, I mean, you can still make it happen. I mean, Mahomes has done it, Burrow's done it. And and the, the other thing too that I didn't mention was the other teams are seeing how he treats the Ravens, you know, how he treats the the ownership and and, and the coach and you say, well. Do we want a prize? He a head case? Do we want this problem? And do we want to pay him all this money that he wants and have a problem on our hands? Is he? And then the second question: Is he that good? We really have to. Is it worth it? Is he that worth? Is he that yeah. great? It's worth it. So I think Seattle, on the other hand, is. They, I think what they're going to do is draft a quarterback, 
and Gino will play the next year or so, year or two, and then eventually groom this quarterback and have a less and have a lot of cap room to improve the team. But more than anything, though, I think this proves to young athletes have an agent. Okay, they can do this for you. Like, like they're professionals at arguing. Okay, you can't argue like an agent or a lawyer can. Okay, they're pro, they're pros at it. You can't negotiate for yourself like an agent can. It is just not a smart move when you're a, when you're a young athlete. Right, to being your own, it without it, you're negotiating directly with the team. There's always hard feelings that come along because yeah. you, when you're, you know, obviously you think you're worth something, and if they're not willing to pay you that, um, and especially when you hear it directly from them, you, you get to have some hard feelings. Say, wait a minute, you know, these people don't even believe in me. Yeah, I have an agent. Let the agent hear these things face to face, not you. Right. And so uh, I think that's another downside. So I, I think this whole situation with, with the Ravens are, is causing his reputation, hurting his reputation. It is. It, it definitely is. So I think that's another reason why people are really being careful not to sign him. And, and the injuries, too. Like I said, I mean, he's hurt all the time. Throw all that into a hat and you see what the problems are. Yeah, it just it doesn't work. I mean, the thing is, it would work pretty well in like a weak division. Like if you have a team in a weak division, like say the NFC South and Lamar Jackson plays 12 games like he did in the past two seasons. I mean, that still is pretty you're still in a better position than all the other teams. And you're probably a playoff team. Yeah, the other team, maybe the Colts, you know, they need a quarterback, right? Um, he, they're in a weak division. Yeah, I mean, if you're in a weak division, I think it works pretty well. But if you're in a good division, like the AFC East is, no, yeah. and you're the, if you're a team like the Patriots and Lamar Jackson plays 12 games, it, you're in a very bad position because you're, you're probably in last place if Lamar Jackson plays 12 games. I mean, with like, like what do the Patriots gain in getting Lamar Jackson? I mean, with Lamar Jackson, there's a really good chance they're like the worst team in the division. I might get going to stay with the Ravens. Eventually, they'll work something out. I think so, too. That's probably what's going to happen. Um, I, I fully agree. Place for him to go, and he's not back on the and Look, yeah, I, I think he's going to stay. Yeah. No. Um, also, I do want to talk uh, a little bit about Rodgers, uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Jets. I mean, I feel like this has been going on forever. Um so I mean the Jets and Rod the Jets and the Packers can't really agree to anything, it seems like. Um, um I mean I feel like this is gonna have to wait till the draft. So Yeah, and it's coming up, you know. Although I've seen a few articles that it could come sooner than people think. I don't believe that. Um I, I don't really believe that's gonna happen. Uh Apparently, there's been progress towards hammering out a deal. I don't believe that. I, I think it's really just going to go for a long time. And I, and I think they should. I, and you know what? I think the Jets have more leverage in this than the Packers do. The Packers are not willing to eat $60 million. The Jets should do what they can to get the best deal possible. Jets, you're right. The Packers eventually are not going to have the leverage. But the, or the Packers don't have any incentive to, to do anything now. Neither do the Jets. Right. The, well... The only thing the Jets would do, they'd like to get him in on the team. <laughs> How much of a difference is that going to make at the, like now as opposed to like in a month from now? Is, it, is that a huge deal? I'm nowhere. It's just so it's settled. You know, uh, I, I think the only danger the Jets have is if Aaron Rodgers all of a sudden decides, you know what, 
forget this. I'm not. I right. right. That's, that's the. He might go on another darkness retreat. He has enough time. That that's the danger the Jets have, as opposed to having him in in house. Uh, but uh, I, neither team is in any rush, and they it'll eventually get done, and that'll be the end of it. And well, the thing is, just a few weeks ago, it was it felt imminent. Like I thought that day we were going to get something. Yeah. But, and now it's just sort of almost like the story has almost died out. Like this is such a long trade. This is like the longest trade I've ever seen. Because it, there's no there's no pressure on either team to do anything. Right. It'll get done. It'll get yeah, done. Yeah, I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. Um, I I mean, in in terms of like, I mean, for a while we heard a lot of people object to it and like with criticism of Rodgers. Honestly, I think Aaron Rodgers is criticized for a lot of, like, really silly reasons. I mean, sure, he has some odd practices in his personal life, which I don't really care about. Whatever. He's a professional athlete. A lot. It's very common with celebrity types in general. Um, but also, it's like, people are like, he only won one Super Bowl. It's like, okay, unless you're comparing him to, say, you know, other all-time great quarterbacks, it's not much of a criticism. It's like only won one Super Bowl. Most quarterbacks only any. So it, what does that mean? If he's only won one Super Bowl, oh, if you've only made it to one Super Bowl and not one, that's still good for a team like the Jets. <laughs> like, how is that How is that really an argument? And people made the same claims about Peyton Manning until he won the second Super Bowl in 2016 when he was horrible. It's like those claims about Peyton Manning are no less vile uh, – are no less – um. Uh, valid now than they were seven years ago, but right. seven, eight years ago. But people forget about it because you won a second Super Bowl. It's like it, the it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I mean, Peyton Manning is no less of a choker in the playoffs than Aaron Rodgers is. And I would love to have a choker in the playoffs because just don't make the playoffs. <laughs> like team in the playoffs. But th this whole argument about winning Super Bowls, something but you're not the only player on the team right you're not even on the field half the game like judging a quarterback judging quarterbacks for Super Bowl wins I know is unpopular for me to say but I also understand is really really dumb it's yeah. a very dumb argument that is very common amongst sports fans because think about it for a second if you say like if your argument about quarterbacks is how good they are is strictly based on the number of Super Bowls. And it's something, something I look at, but it's not everything. You also kind of have to accept the premise that the best quarterback wins every season, which obviously is not true. You would also have to say that the years that quarterbacks do win the Super Bowl were their best seasons. That's also not true. Right. Demonstrably not true. John Elway didn't win until he was past his prime. Right. So – the whole Super Bowl argument doesn't make a whole lot of sense it just when you look at it so strictly. I mean, it's something – like I said, it's something I look at, but only judging quarterbacks just from Super Bowls just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And like – so is Peyton Manning that much – should his legacy be vastly different because he stumbled into a second Super Bowl in 2016, which – in a year in which he got benched for Brock Osweiler – like, it makes no logical sense to me. The classic argument, is, of course, is Dan Marino. You know, Dan right. quarterbacks of his time, never won a Super Bowl. He got into one Super Bowl in his first year and never sniffed it the rest of the way. So, yeah, it, it's silly. It's, it's, it's part of a resume, but it shouldn't be as valued as, a, as, as, as it is.
Agreed. Yeah. So um, I do want to get into my unnecessary wagers. Um, I couldn't. I was. I wanted to initially to make it just a March Madness thing, but I added. Uh, but I couldn't like do a bunch of in-game uh, same-game bets. So because there's only two games, so I, I added another one in there. So I took uh, San Diego State money line, Miami money line. I really like Miami against UConn. I'm not doubting them anymore. I think they're. I think Miami's star players are better than Miami's. Um, even though my, I'm sorry. I think Miami's star players are better than UConn's. Um, even though Miami doesn't have a lot of depth, I think if they play like they did against Texas uh, and their star players have great games, I think Miami wins. Um, and the did I say San, did I talk about San Diego State? Uh, no, San Diego State money line. So I, yes, I mean I think Florida Atlantic's had their time. San Diego State's a really good defensive team. Um, so in terms of money line, I think San Diego State should have this. And then the Mets minus one and a half. Which is already losing, so <laughs> right. So we'll see. Um, but in terms of the odds, actually, in terms of the odds, the um, the uh, the uh, UConn actually has a much better chance, according to the odds, uh, for yeah. winning the whole thing. I mean, they're favored by five and a half. Seems like kind of a lot. Um, it's interesting. They're favored by more points than like Tennessee was against Florida Atlantic. I think they're. Um, basing it on how they played throughout the tournament and they've been blowing people. Um, so I guess that's where the line is, but uh, I like San Diego state. Uh, I, I agree with you. I think Florida Atlantic has had their time. I think, and, and San Diego state looks like the better team. Um, but we'll see, you know, I've been wrong on Florida Atlantic the whole time. <laughs> so, uh, but I, I would take San Diego state and my first inclination was take UConn to win the game. I, I don't like the five and a half point spread. Uh, it seems like a lot of points in these games. But as you know, a lot of these games could be close. Until the very end. Last minute, it goes from a three-point or a two-point game to an eight-point game very quickly, just fouls and three-point, and missed three-pointers, things like that. So um, I'm going to stick with UConn. That was my original pick. And I'll take UConn and San Diego State to play. All right. So, all right. That, that, uh, there it is. All right. So thanks for tuning in, everybody. Um, Thank, uh, enjoy the games if you're a better. Um, and I think I might see you next week or, you know, to talk a little bit about the, uh, the final four games and the national championship. And hopefully uh, the Knicks, uh, Knicks. Hopefully we can win a couple of games. Uh, we're playing the Wizards on Sunday. I have a feeling the Knicks are going to lose that game. <laughs> it would be a very Knicks thing. All right. So thanks for tuning in.